Good evening. Welcome back. Let's have our Bibles ready. The last book in the New Testament, Revelation. The last book in the New Testament, Revelation chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 in Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. There are periods of time in history and current events that seem to attract a lot of attention to this New Testament book that's not ordinarily given to Revelation. And I think now, over the past month, we are in such a time. When there are many people who open the book of Revelation who do not ordinarily read it and study it, but now, with world events, they open the book or they hear somebody refer to the final book in the New Testament. Since World War II, many religious leaders have used this approach. They read the newspapers, or in our case today, the news feeds, and they observe current events, and they form opinions and viewpoints about current events, and then they go back to Revelation and they claim that what's happening today was predicted in this New Testament book. And one of the primary things I want to say to us tonight is that's not a sound approach to Scripture. Instead of using current events and then going to the Bible and making claims about what you believe you see in current events that's in the Bible, why not read the Bible first aside from current events and discover what the Bible says about God and His plan and the gospel of Christ, and who Jesus is, and what the New Testament says, and then be responsive to that body of truth, no matter what the newspapers say, or what comes up in current events, being ready for the second coming of Christ. That is the right approach. We should read Revelation as it stands, apart from what the newspapers say. We should read this book as it stands from John's perspective in time. See, our responsibility as Bible readers and Bible students is to understand what Scripture says before and apart from any current news feed. 
I should accept what God has said in the time and the way He said it without using current events as an interpretation of what God has already said. And what I'm talking about tonight may come up in conversations that you have with people or maybe on your social media feed. I saw this on social media beginning just about four weeks ago. Somebody said, and another, a lot of people shared it, the prophecies of the book of Revelation are being fulfilled in Europe as we speak. And that was shared and said by a number of people, not anybody here. And mixed into this, you'll hear about the Antichrist and the end times and other very sensational claims and theories. People can be confused by all that, misled, or at the very least distracted by all of that kind of conversation. So, I thought this might be a good time, given the events of the day, to open this book and locate some very simple, basic facts. We're not going to dig deep into Revelation in 25 minutes. We're going to look at some very simple facts that really cannot be dismissed in view of their clarity and their simplicity and may help us understand all this and I think with a Sunday night audience like you, equip us to respond and carry on conversations to help people understand what this book is about. Not just Revelation, but the New Testament and the entire Revelation of God. So we'll not dig into all the imagery in Revelation and all the various references deep in the book. We're not going to do that. I have five things we need to know about the book of Revelation. Five things we need to know about the book of Revelation. Number one, look with me at the first verse. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must shortly take place. He made it known to his servant, John. Now, if I'm going to make any sense of this New Testament book, if I'm going to examine any claims, any affirmations, and I'm going to be true to the text of Scripture in the book of Revelation, I need to read the first verse. And then I need to just keep reading and read the entire book. And then engage in whatever evaluation and discernment that is necessary. If I just dig in the middle of the book of Revelation and pull up some image. And because I read something on the internet. Because I read something somewhere I disclaim well that must be Russia. I then have no credibility in my conversations with people about Scripture or as a teacher of Scripture, especially since Russia did not exist when John received this revelation and is not mentioned by name in the book. 
You may not know what every verse in Revelation means. I tell you, there are passages and time references and imagery in the book of Revelation I haven't figured out yet and may not figure out. But we can know various certainties about the book. This vision was given, made known from Jesus to John about things that would shortly come to pass. That's a time reference in verse 1. And it's repeated in verse 19. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. Things that would shortly take place. And these references here refer to nearness. So whatever I make of the rest of this book, this must be reckoned with. I can't dismiss this. It's right here on page one of the book. I'll tell you, I've had conversations with people where someone would make outlandish claims about Revelation and the images and things that are going on written in the newspaper and the news feed. And I would ask them, have you read the first verse? And sometimes, frankly, the answer is, well... No, I haven't read the first verse. And I would ask them to read that first verse, and in some cases, the first verse would be their surprise. See, they were listening to somebody, some preacher, some writer, and there was imagery in the middle of the book that sounded like it might refer to this or that, but they had not read the book, not read the first verse. We are charged as readers and students of Scripture and as Christians to handle the Word of God with care and to help others handle the Word of God with care. These visions in the book of Revelation concern things that would shortly take place after John revealed them. Now, when John comes to the end of the book, when John speaks of what he saw about heaven and hell, and he does that near the end of the book, he signals that likewise. He signals the finality of those events and the unknown time of those events. But the primary message of the book and the bulk of the prophetic content, visions and imagery concern things that would shortly come to pass. Number two, this was written and sent to the seven churches in Asia. You know, it's always important to read the New Testament within historical context, making note of the recipients of the letter. So, for instance, in our study of 1 Peter, in our Bible class times, Sunday morning and Wednesday night, Peter was writing to Christians in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So the Holy Spirit gave us this information that we cannot ignore. It is always important to read the New Testament within the historical context, making note of the recipients of the letter. So look with me in verse 4 and verse 11. 
John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Now look at verse 11 where they are named. Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Now, it would certainly get our attention if we opened the book of Revelation and it said to the seven churches in America or to the seven churches in Texas. Now, this is part of Bible history. I'll show how practical this book is in a minute or two, but historical context cannot be ignored. There is a reason the Holy Spirit gave us this information. Similar to this, back in the book of Matthew chapter 24, when Jesus gave those signs about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., the Holy Spirit makes it clear in that chapter that those things would happen in that generation and that this would pertain to local events, local people in that generation. We cannot mark that off. The Holy Spirit's giving us historical context that's necessary in order to navigate the passage. So in Revelation, what would happen in short order would be experienced and witnessed by Christians in these local churches. This would impact them. Let me give you an example for clarity's sake from another part of the Bible. In the Old Testament books of prophecy, the prophets would announce various judgments of God against nations and warn people of events in the near term. This is way before Christ came. We cannot take those prophecies of those local events pertaining to those nations 3,000 years ago and claim some current fulfillment. That's a misuse of Scripture. So as you read the book of Revelation, be aware that the people in these seven churches would experience and witness these events John saw that would shortly come to pass. These are simple, basic facts about this New Testament book. Number three, we're getting close to the practical impact now. Whether this pertains to before 70 A.D., or after 70 A.D., the saints would be victorious. In chapter 2 and verse 11, He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Saints killed by persecutors would suffer the first death, but would not be touched by the second death. Near the end of the book, there is that picture of heaven, perfect fellowship with God in his tabernacle, perfect protection by God in his city forever, perfect enjoyment and provisions in that eternal place. The saints were headed there. Whatever happened to them on earth 
whether it was before 70 A.D. or after 70 A.D., or in the 90s back then, the saints would be victorious. They were headed to a better place. So this is where we get into what we learn about God's protection of His people, the saints. Today we learn that nothing can take away our hope unless we turn loose of it and the faith upon which it's based. Nothing can take away our hope as long as we hold to it by the activity of faith in Christ. We're exploring that in the Bible class in 1 Peter. So as it pertained to those people, the Roman Empire couldn't cause one Christian to be lost. I think we need to think about that. The Roman Empire couldn't cause one Christian to be lost. They could throw at Christians temptations and torches and swords and wild animals, but they wouldn't be hurt by the second death. No hostile force in the Jewish leadership in the time of Christ. They could only kill the body, not the soul. No hostile force we may witness in our lifetime, no system we may become a victim of, can rob us of our hope. I need to say this, Revelation is not designed to frighten anyone, except those who oppose God. Revelation is not designed to frighten anyone except those who oppose God. Fear is not the objective of the book, unless you're talking about godly fear, and the book ought to instill in each of us the continuing discipline of godly fear. This wasn't designed to scare people and cause anyone to live in fear, except those who oppose God or fall away from Him. This is a book of victory and hope for the faithful. That's the message that isn't time-sensitive. That's the takeaway for us from the history and events John saw that happened shortly after he wrote these things. Number four, this is a book of signs and images John saw. Signs and images John saw. And this is one way the book of Revelation is different from some of the other New Testament books. John saw visions and images and pictures. <clears throat> and then he wrote what he saw and sent it to the seven churches about things that would shortly take place. The people who read what John wrote were familiar with the imagery he was using. They knew what John was talking about. Around their lives, they saw various things happening as expressed in those signs and pictures that John told them about when he wrote to them. John did not write as explicitly as other New Testament writers. This book is different. John said nothing about the United Nations, the United States, or Russia. And to take current events and force that into those pictures 
about things John wrote that would shortly come to pass, that, that's a misuse of the book. We have no reason to believe that that's what God wants us to do from this book. God wants us to see in these images His power. The victory faithful Christians hold to. The weakness of persecutors who are operatives of the devil. They don't hold power compared to God. And my next point exhibits how weak the devil is. Even if the body is killed. Even if the body is tortured. Here is a promise we can hold to. Saints can hold to in all times and dispensations. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Listen to this. From now on. From now on. John said. In chapter 14. Listen to verses 12 and 13. Chapter 14. Verses 12 and 13. Here is the call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God in their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. If I never come to a perfect understanding of every vision and every detail and every image in this final book of the New Testament, here is a promise they had that we have also because John said from now on, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, John said. What we need to get from Revelation is not some sort of special skill of trying to match up current events with the images in the book of Revelation. That's not the purpose of the book. For us, the purpose is assurance that God has always been in control. He was in control back then. He is in control today. And no matter what happens in Europe or here, are anywhere on earth the promises of the gospel are good and certain. The Lord's cause will not die. Even if the nation dies, the Lord's cause will not die. So I need to be a part of that cause from now on. And for us as individuals, our faithfulness to God has this blessing attached to it. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, John said, from now on. I believe there are people today who in their religious practices and their claims and their thinking are locked into the sensational, the dramatic, Something new and exciting and novel. These men who use the book of Revelation against what it was intended for sometimes go around the country and hold prophecy seminars. 
and they'll pass out flyers and they'll put notices up and maybe billboards and maybe they'll erect a tent somewhere or use a big auditorium somewhere and it'll be called a prophecy seminar and it draws a lot of people in who are focused on the sensational, the dramatic, something exciting and novel. Listen to me. What is sensational is the grace of God expressed on the cross of Calvary. What is dramatic is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What is exciting is to get involved zealously in the obedience of faith. Become a child of God and remain a child of God because blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. If you want sensational and dramatic and exciting, it's here in this book. Let us be careful how we use the Word of God. And let us equip ourselves to help our friends and neighbors and our co-workers see Christ in us and hear us speak of Him. Let's be standing as we sing.